Welcome to the Grove. We're so glad you're here. My name is Eric Matoya, Pastor of the Grove, and uh, we're thrilled that you guys came to spend an hour or so with us, and uh, we're just excited that you're here. Today, uh, I'll be talking about influence, being a positive influence, adding influence, adding to other people's lives, and uh, we're going to kind of share about that. Let me tell you why I love soccer. Any, any soccer fans out there? We have the World Cup going on, right? Okay, saw a few hands. If you were from the rest of the world, everybody would have said, yeah, I'm with you, so... Um, but I love soccer. I'm going to tell you why I love soccer and why I hate math. All right. There's, there's a reason. And it happened the exact same year. The same, the year I loved, I found out that I, I love soccer. I also found out that I, uh, really didn't like math, uh, algebra, as a matter of fact. Um, I was really good at math growing up in school. I, I just, I just got it. And then something happened my freshman year in high school. I just, something, I just wasn't quite getting, getting it. Um, and in the middle of not getting it, I had a teacher that just, she, she thought I should have got it and that I, you know, just didn't really help me through that process of getting it. And so uh, instead of pushing through and figuring it out, I just checked out and I gave up. It was the only class that I've ever flunked in my life, all right, was, was algebra. Algebra, I think it was algebra two. It was the only class, or maybe it was one. It was algebra one. Um, and I had to retake that class and do it again and passed it. But, but it just wasn't a good time because I, I didn't have a lot of support. And, and really, um, my teacher didn't help me through it. And I, I guess looking back, I can't blame just her. I'm sure as a teenager, I was probably looking for any reason not to do school, right? It's like, well, if she's not going to help me, I'm just not going to do it. But whatever it was, somewhere in, in my freshman year, um, in my heart, something changed for math. It just went from I love math to, man, I really hate this thing because I just don't get it, and, and just gave up. Well, that same year, um, I joined the soccer team. I had a coach who was a professional soccer player, loved soccer, just passionate about it. And um, as he was training us, our team, and teaching us about soccer, I found out that I really liked this sport. And I think, I think his passion um, passed on to the team and to myself. And so from then on, just soccer was pretty much my life. I played year-round and just uh, found out I was pretty good at it. And something in my life changed from, you know, not liking soccer, knowing anything about it, to really enjoying it. The other thing that helped is I traveled a lot, of, a lot of different countries, and I found out that everybody else in the world, they love soccer. They call it football. And I'm like, no, no, that's not football. Football's like this. Like, no, no, this is football. You use your foot and you kick the ball. This is football. I'm like, okay, you're right, football. So, um, and, and as I've been traveling, I realized that it was just a great way to connect to people, and, and I found out I love to do more. So that's the reason I love soccer and why I hate math. Uh, because of two different individuals, two different influences in my life that helped change that in my life. They, they, they wrote something different in me. And um, so I'm going to talk about that today. What does it mean to be a positive influence? What does it mean to add value to others? Um, I heard a statement a long time ago. It says, it says, show me your friends and I will show you your future. I don't know if you ever heard this statement before. Um, you, you, if you look at, at your friends and, and, and how they live and, and, and their values, that'll eventually show what you'll begin to believe and what you'll eventually become. And so I remember as a, as a teenager, I used to hear this all the time. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So it's important who we, put, who we surround ourselves with, who influences in our life and, and who, who is speaking into our life. In fact, Jim Rohn, uh, a very uh, creative guy, uh, a business guy, he, wrote, he said this. He said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I thought that was a pretty profound statement. Like, wow. So if you think about the five people you spend the most time with, you're an average of them. You, you have some of their values. They, they leak into your life and your values leak into their life. And there's transfer and there's, there's influence. And so um, if you look around you and you begin to look at the people, five people you spend most time with, man, are they pushing you and challenging you to become better? Um, or are they discouraging you and pulling you back? And that's a good, good way to kind of evaluate. Say, who's influenced my life? What are the influences I have in my life? And so today I want, I want to talk about 
um, influence and, and, and why it's important to be able to look around us and, and um, allow the right influence in our life and to stop the wrong influences in our life. And so Proverbs twenty seven seventeen it says like this. It says, as iron sharpens iron, so another man sharpens, so a friend sharpens a friend. Another man sharpens another man. So this idea of iron sharpening iron, it's like the way iron gets sharp is they hit and they, 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 there's this contact and there's this um, engagement of these lives that are, that are hitting and, and being challenged to become better. And so like iron sharpens iron, so one friend sharpens another. And so we need people in our lives that are going to do this. Uh, one thing I love about the Grove is every week we come up here, we try to challenge you with something saying, hey, here's something from God's word that we believe will help you in your, in your walk. Would you do it? It's like iron sharpening iron in groups. One of the reasons we, we advocate groups so much is because in groups, you will have people who will challenge you. Now, we have a coffee group, a men's coffee group that meets uh, on the, in the early mornings, and uh, it's, it's a time for them to sharpen each other. Uh, guys group met yesterday morning. We have a prayer group. As, as they meet and they talk, these are ways to have influence and build and be encouraged and to find more about God and learn more about him. So the reason I want to talk about influence today is because the month of July, uh, we're going to have some guest speakers. All right. So the whole month, every single week, we have guest speakers. If you've been to Growth Track, you've kind of heard our uh, our structure as a government for a church. We have three pastors who are overseers. These pastors, one is from Sundance, Wyoming, Carl Bauman. Uh, One's from Portales, uh, New Mexico, Kelly Fulfer. The other one is from um, Albuquerque Harvest Harvest Fellowship in Albuquerque, Jason Dickinson. These three pastors are overseers, which means they're kind of like our board of directors in the sense for our church that um, I I talk to them um, often about, you know, the church and how it's going. They keep me accountable. Um, If I was to tragically die all of a sudden, these would be the pastors that would kind of come and help the church be able to uh, continue to move forward. And so these, these are the guys that have influence in, in our church, but also influence in my life. These are the guys I go to ask for, for help and support and prayer and, and questions to learn from. They're all ahead of us, ahead of, ahead of me in many ways. And the fourth speaker is Mike Dickinson. We're part of a network of churches. We're a cooperative fellowship. It's called the Assemblies of God. And, and in, our, in our network in New Mexico, there's 100 churches, which means there's like two to three, 250 some pastors that are part of this network. And we're part of this network where we encourage each other and help each other out. And so we have a, a network pastor who oversees these churches. His name is Mike, Mike Dickinson, Michael Dickinson. And no, I didn't spell his name right. I mean, I didn't spell his name wrong. That's how you spell it, all right? So his parents gave him Mike Hill. So it's, just, it's Michael, but he just spelled it different. I know somebody, somebody in there is thinking he spelled his name wrong. No, it's actually correct. But he's going to speak the last Sunday, and, and uh, another man in our life kind of would, would be my pastor, the one I would go to for advice, and, and, and he helps oversee a lot of churches and and so these are the four that we're going to speak. I thought it would be important to bring them for the church to be able to meet these people. These are the, the ones that um, are on the journey with us. Um, Jason Dickinson, his church stepped out uh, in a big way for the Grove. So we're nine months new, right? We're a new church. And his church is our mother church that kind of said, hey, we're going to kind of uh, stand, stand in, in agreement and, st- and walk with you this process. And uh, they kind of stepped out as, as our mother church and said, we're going to, we're going to help you with this process, which has been great. Uh, Kelly Fulfer, I were, I, I've, knew, knew, I've known him since I was 14. Um, he, he came to, to the church that I was, I was uh, growing up in, and he came to work, work there for a while, and we became friends. Uh, he was an influence in my life, and then we worked together at a church in Bernalillo for many years. Uh, just a great guy. He's doing a great job in Portales, his church. And so he's, he's one of my friends, but also one of those people that just challenges me. In fact, Kelly's one of those guys we'll read books together. 
And as we read these books, you know, he'll say, do you really believe that? I'll be like, well, yeah. And he'll, Why do you believe that? And we begin to go back and forth. It's like iron sharpening iron. Sometimes I believe things he doesn't believe, and there's things he believes I don't believe. And we go back and forth, and he says, oh, I get that. I understand why that guy is saying that. I, I, I can get your point of view because it's different. And so it's good to have these, these, these people in our lives. And then Carl Bauman, he's, um, when I was beginning to, you know, I've been in ministry for, for many years, and I began to, to, to pray about and think about starting a church. And, and our network leadership, I went to them and said, hey, I think I want to start a church. They said, well, this is 2009. They said, we think you're going to do a really good job, but you need to get some more experience as a pastor. So go pastor somewhere um, or find a mentor who can train you and teach you what it means to be a, to start a church. And so the door opened for me to come work with Carl Bauman for a few years, uh, for two years in Santa Fe. And I met him. Just It's incredible. So he's, he's twice my age, right? On the external, there's not a lot of things common to us. We're, we're very different. But our heart... Our hearts are, are like, like the same outlook on life. There's things we view. He's, just, he's a lot smarter than me, so he'll say things that I believe. He just says it a lot better than me. And so he's been a great mentor in my life who, who will challenge me and say, why do you believe that, Eric? Why, 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 why does your generation think that? And ask me these questions and, and inspire. So Carl's going to be sharing next week. And I encourage you to come and, and listen to these guys and hear from them. Um, I think there will be a lot of uh, value um, there, there's not a specific series that we're doing. I just kind of said, hey, come and share something with the church that we'll be able to grow and, and learn and, and move forward. So uh, that's, who, that's who's coming next week. And so this, today I was talking about influences. These are the influences in my life. These are some of the people. I have more than, that, than these four, but these are four key ones that have, a lot of, um, that have a lot of weight in my life that speak and help me along this journey. We all need people like this. Uh, Carl is way ahead in the journey than I am, so I, I can go to him and ask advice, and I can I can learn things from him. And he tells stories. Um, great. Carl has a unique gift. He's planted four churches, um, and and he's he's gone to about eight or nine churches that have gone through um, just a really bad situation, like moral failure and uh, you know embezzlement stuff like that. You go into one of those churches, a lot of people are really upset, you know, because the leader let him down. He goes in there and helps them kind of bring helps bring stability and peace and helps people know, hey, it's not the end of the world. You know, people are people. They make mistakes. They're, they're, you know, it's not, we don't want that. And, and he has this gift to be able to walk through it. And he's told me stories about going to these churches that are just, you know, that, that have, have just messed up. And in the middle of it, how God can do some incredible things, even in the brokenness of a church um, and people. And so it's, it's been great. So I, I enjoy uh, talking to him and learning from him. And so um, they'll be coming. Um, this is why it's important for us to have the right relationships around us because uh, we're only as good as our relationships. We're only as good as our relationships. In fact, uh, they say success runs in circles. We talked about this a few few months back, right? Um, success runs in circles. You see, you find one successful person, usually there's a lot of other people that, that are part of their life that are also successful. Divorce runs in circles. Typically in, in marriage counseling, when, when you're counseling somebody who's going through divorce, a lot of times other, other friends in their lives have gone through separation or the same thing, and, and uh, they make allowances. There's a lot of things that run in circles together. So we're only as good as our relationships, and relationships is how God built his kingdom. God builds his kingdom through relationships. Um, he doesn't force his way in, but he wants through friendship and through us interacting and talking to people. That's how he helps people find out his plan. So go to the next slide for me. guess it's up there. We're only good at our relationships. Next one. Our relationships, they dictate the condition of our heart. Uh, the people that influence and speak into it, the, the influence that we have in our life, they're going to dictate the condition of our heart. And so if you don't have right relationships, you won't make good decisions. 
And we did a series that led up to small groups last time, and a big part of it was, was, was this. When we have the wrong influence in our life, we're going to make the wrong decisions and the wrong choices. So it's really important that we get people around us that can encourage us and help us. Um, when it comes to having the right influence in our life, um, it takes work. It takes investment. It takes, um, it, it takes sacrifice. Because uh, a lot of times the people that we need to speak in our lives, they're not always readily available which is a good indication that we need to hear from them because that means they're actually probably accomplishing something in their life and they don't really have time for everybody. And so it's good to pursue those people and to be able to, to, to ask for help and uh, to be able to do that. I know a lot of, even, even the overseers, they're doing stuff. They have ministries going on. They can't just, you know, uh, every time I call, it's not like they're readily available, but they do get back to me and we, we talk. Um, but, but that's a good sign that they're doing something. They're not just sitting around waiting for something. They're actually working and doing things. So we have to have the right relationships. One of the things that I learned this last year, I'll give you one of the lessons I learned from, you know, having, having positive people, uh, having people speak positive things and in life into me and help me to become a better person. Uh, this is one of the, probably the one, the number one lesson I've learned this year so far. All right. And, and this is from a pastor down in Albuquerque, great church, doing an amazing job, uh, years ahead of me. And he, he met with some pastors and just kind of just coached us and talked to us and, and poured into us and told us a lot of things. This is what he says. He says, if, he told us, that, and this is the lesson I learned, that I just, man, I, I, I've been thinking about it and, 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 and uh, learning from it. He says, if we begrudge it, we won't get it. If we begrudge it, we won't get it. All right, you're thinking that's not really a huge lesson. No, it's huge. So when somebody gets something in life, you know, they, they win a lot of money, they get an inheritance, they, whatever, they're successful. If we become begrudging about that thing and don't celebrate it, we're kind of telling God, we don't want that. Begrudging something is telling, telling God, well, I'm really upset that they have that. So in other words, saying, all right, if you're upset they have it, I'm not going to give it to you. Does that make sense? So when something good happens to people, our job is not to get upset and be like, why them? It's to celebrate and say, man, we're so thrilled that that, that happened. It's awesome because we're opening up our life to receive some of those same blessings, some of those same things. But if we begrudge it, we're saying, God, I don't want that. And we're actually telling them, which is funny, right? It's like, no, I'm really not saying that. I really want it. That's why I'm so upset. But by begrudging and, and, and not celebrating, we lose that. Here's a principle in the Bible that you can find that. Romans 12, 15 through 16. Paul says, be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. The principle is, man, celebrate with those who celebrate. Because there'll be times we have to weep with those who weep. And when we celebrate the successes in people's lives, they're going to celebrate the success in our lives. I don't know about you, but I want a lot of people to be able to celebrate success in my life. So I celebrate the success in other people's lives also in in other churches. In fact, I'm I'm, um, I'm building a lot of good relationships with with pastors in our city. You know, we don't think the Grove is the only church. We're just one of many churches that are doing a good job in Santa Fe. And so we celebrate when other churches grow. We celebrate when God does something amazing in other places. And and we build relationships and we encourage them. I pray for them. In fact, I um, I got four text messages this morning from pastors Around our states, around our, well, our city and, and other city, saying, hey, we're praying for the Grove today. We're praying for you today. Go, go, go get it, man. Hope God shows up in a big way. That's cool. It's cool to have other pastors and churches just celebrating and saying, man, we're thrilled that you guys are here. I'm out with the pastor this week. He says, man, we're so thrilled the Grove is in Santa Fe. We need more Groves in Santa Fe. We need more churches in Santa Fe. Because uh, our heart, we understand that it's going to take a lot of uh, people working together to bring about good and to be a light. So uh, when it comes to influences... We have to make sure uh, that we have positive influences and we have to make sure that we are being a positive influence on others, that we're adding influence, we're adding, um, making an addition to somebody's life, not taking away something. 
Uh, I'll give you an example of what, how powerful influence is. There's a story in the Bible found in Numbers 13. Numbers in, um, is towards the beginning of the, of the Bible. It's, um, it's, the story is found in, in where, where God is leading the people of Israel. He made this promise with them. And he said, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead you to this promised land. I'm going to give you this, this land. And in the, in the journey, God leads them to Egypt, um, really to save them from famine and from dying. And, and then they become slaves for 400 years. And then God frees them from slavery. And he says, I'm going to lead you to this land that I promised your, your, your forefathers years ago. And he begins to lead them on this journey. And uh, as they start this journey, um, God is saying, this is the promised land. You're going to inherit it. This is what's going to happen. Um, he, tells, he tells Moses to send out this, these, these spies, 12 spies, to go into the land and kind of you know, look how things are going, go in and, and bring back a report from the land they're going to go into. And so one person from every tribe, for, for the tribe of Israel, there's 12 tribes. So one, one representative from each tribe goes and they go and they spy out the land. They look through the land and, and they come back carrying these like, you know, these big old grapes. And they're saying, man, this, this land is awesome. It's amazing. And, and, and they're celebrating all the good stuff that's there. But then all of a sudden ha- something happens. Um, out, of the, out of the 12, 10 of them say, um, I don't think we can do this. They're much stronger than us. Like we saw giants in the land. Like these guys are big. They will beat us in, in war. Uh, I don't think we should do it. And so there was 10 that said, um, let's not. In fact, they even said this. This is, this is what they said. They said, um, we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes compared to these other people. I don't know about this. I don't, this is kind of d- dangerous. And then there's two guys, Joshua and Caleb. They said, no, no, no. Like they tried to like get the crowd because the crowd starts getting wound up. Like, wait, we're going to die if we go there? Like, this is not good. Why did God bring us out of slavery if we're going to die? And so these two guys, they say, no, no, I think, I think we should go forward. And Joshua and Caleb have this positive outlook and this perspective that, man, God called us. He's rescue, rescued us. He's helping us on this journey. Um, let's go for it. But, but because um, ten, 10 of the spies says, you know, we, we, we look really small compared to these guys. The crowd began to say, no, we can't do it. We can't do it. And, and they switched. And, and um, God made the people of Israel wander for 40 years because of that, that one choice. He said, okay, if the people don't want to do what I'm leading them to do, then we'll have to wait until the next generation can do something about it. The two that had the positive outlook and the perspective, the right perspective, they are the only two that went into the promised land. The other ten, they died with all the other people that didn't want to trust God and go into the promised land with them. They, they missed it. They missed their opportunity. Why? Because the influence of the ten outweighed the influence of the two. And the two were actually able to make a difference and go out and, and uh, go into the promised land. So um, this last week, as I was talking about influences, um, I want to be a positive influence in our society. I want to be a positive influence on your life. Uh, this last week on Friday, our Supreme Court made a ruling. It was a 5-4 uh, ruling um, that, that's going to change a lot of things for, for me personally as, as a pastor and as a leader of a church. It can have ramifications and implications for, uh, for me and myself. Um, and in this, uh, there was five who said we're going to change the way uh, that we view marriage. And there's four that were against it. And so it got passed and they made the decision that will affect, affect our culture and our world. Um, in this, um, my, my role as a pastor is to say, how can I help people in this? Uh, so, so let me just tell you for one second. If, if you're here and you're not a Christian, all right, what I'm about to say might, 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 might not make a whole lot of sense to you. And you might disagree with it and you might not want to believe it. That's okay. That, that's your right to, to disagree with me. It's your right not to believe this. But if you're following Christ, 
There's a lot of people that have wrote about um, God's plan for our life is very specific. His word is very clear about when we walk in, a, in his way, there's life that's produced. And we walk outside of his way, it produces death. And it brings um, death to relationships. It brings death to our bodies. It brings, even, and eventually it brings a spiritual death, which is the thing I'm most concerned about, all right, which we'll talk about. And so um, one of our leaders in, in, in the church, Paul, the Apostle Paul, he wrote uh, multiple times about this. And in his society, he, they face some of the exact same things we'll face as society. And this is what he says in 1 Corinthians 6, and we'll go through 9 through 14. He says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Very weighty statement there, okay? What we believe as a church is life here, on, it's life and death. It's not just about 70 years. What we do for these 70, 80 years that God gives us will determine where we'll be after that. Heaven or hell. It's a big decision that God lets us, and this is the beautiful thing about God, is he gives us free will to choose. And we all have a choice to make. And in the choices we make, we're not free from the consequences or repercussions of those choices. So he says, don't you realize that those who do wrong will not inherit the kingdom of God? Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or are drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. So I'm not going to single one of those. One of the, he lists a lot of sins there that says these people won't inherit the kingdom of God. I'm not going to pick out one and say this is, this is the one we have to focus on. He's saying there's all of these things that keep us from God's best. And he gives us a list there. And then he goes on to say this. And this is what I love about Paul. He says, some of you were once like that. So there's people that cheated. There was people that were greedy. There were people that uh, indulged in sexual immorality. He's saying some of you were once like that. Were. Key word there. But you were cleansed and you were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. You were made right with God because you were able to humble yourself. So if you're, if you're, if you're a Christ follower and you're saying, I want to follow Christ, Christ's way. I mean, it, throughout the scriptures, he's telling us, follow my way. It's going to lead to life. It's going to lead to life. It's going to lead to life. I personally believe that the ruling that was made, it, it takes a step away from God's best doesn't take away the right for people to choose. And we all get to choose. In fact, he even goes on to say this. He says, you may say, I'm allowed to do anything. And we are. But not everything is good for you. We're allowed to do anything. You could choose whatever you want to choose. But not everything is good for you. And even though I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. He puts it very clearly. He says, all right, there's freedom. Free, free, it's, 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 it's a, a gift of of." Um, free will. It's a gift of choice. But what are those choices going to produce in our lives? You know, uh, for, if, if you're here today, maybe you struggle, alco- struggle with alcoholism. He says that, man, this is something that's going to keep you from God's best. And don't be mastered by anything. Don't become a slave to that. He goes on to say, you say food was made for the stomach and the stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you cannot say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality this passage is all about it's it's not just picking out one or or two sins the whole thing is built around this idea of sexual immorality 
in our society, there are a lot of things that people will say are acceptable and you can do. And you can. It's your choice. But God says, if you do these things, they will not produce life. And Jesus said, I come that you may have life. And you have life to the full. And he wants us to choose his way and to follow him in that. So um, my job as a pastor, as a leader, especially those who say, I'm a Christian, man, is to encourage you to, to, to you need to break this open and don't just read, don't just trust it and believe it because I put it on a screen or because I'm saying it's here. You have to begin to get into this and say, all right, God, what is your, what does your word say about this? See, because the, the, the Bible is the, one of the, I think the, one of the greatest gifts God gave us. It's written over thousands of years by multiple authors. And what's great about it is it's this idea, this story that's being told and being unfolded throughout all these years of God saying, I'm leading my people. I'm, I'm showing you that there's a better way. I want you to be free. See, because as the girl, we believe in a few things. We believe in salvation. The first thing, man, we want people to be saved. Because we believe that our choices we make now will determine our eternity. And God is, is inviting us to choose now to say, all right, God, I can't do this on my own. That's why he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, so that we can have right standing with God. It's a gift. Grace is a gift that is given to us. And that first step is salvation of saying, God, I repent. I ask that you'd be my Lord. You'd lead me. The next thing we want to see people free, uh, free from addictions, free from, from bondage. This is what God was trying to do with the Israelites. You know, they, they, he freed them from slavery and they became free people. But then their mindset was still thinking as slaves all the time. He says, I want to free you from your thinking. We want people to be free from any kind of bondage. And then we want people to be redeemed, which means we want people to be put back on track to their original intent. Like God created you for a reason. He wants you to accomplish things in life. But because of our choices and because of sin, it leads us astray. It leads us away from that. Well, God's process to bring us back to say, hey, can you do good in this world? Can I use you to help others? And the fourth thing, we want people to find fulfillment. We believe when you begin to live God's way and you begin to help others, something in you becomes alive. You're fulfilled because you're not living this life just for yourself. You're living to help others. So don't hear me wrong i guess in what i'm talking and i i am for people and we welcome anybody into our church anybody on that list if, if you if anybody in this room has struggled any of those lists that i of those sins that i listed you're welcome in our church we want you here because we believe that the word of god brings life and people need to hear it and you need to read it now if you're not a christian man it's going to be really hard for you to maybe get your head around that and think that we're being hateful i'm not being hateful I love people. I want to help them. And our heart is to help others. And so as we talk about influence, my heart is to help influence people in the best direction possible, in the best way possible. Because I believe Jesus said, I came to give life and life abundantly. So if you are a Christian, this is what I'd I'd be very careful of how you approach. uh, There's a lot of stuff going on on social media, right? All over about um, everybody has a right to say what they have to say. And you have a right. Don't ruin the opportunity to be able to love people through what we say. And that goes two ways. It goes by not saying anything about what you believe, but then it goes the other extreme by being so hateful um, and saying horrible things that just pushes people away. There has to be this. Paul says we have to speak truth in love. So a lot of people speak truth, and I've seen it. I've been I've following social media, things are happening. A lot of people are speaking truth, but there's no love there. And that's not going to help anybody. It has to be love in, that, in what we say and how we, how we wrestle with this and how we go forward with it. The good news is we have a lot of people who, um, a lot of disciples, they went through places, societies, different places of, uh, in the world that was against the church, was against Christianity, and it thrived. 
We see this in China. When it, was, when it was illegal to be a Christian, you know what the church did? It exploded and grew. So we're not afraid of that. I think God will use these things to help, help bring about his kingdom. And, and as our society makes these choices and, and changes, man, God's word will continue to shine because it is a light. And we're called to be the light of the world. We're called to be salt and light and influence in this world. Would you be a light? Would you love others? Would you care for others? Would you pray for others? Would you help others? That's what God calls us to do as we, be, as we become, um, as he wants to be an influence to the world around us. As we talk about influences, I want to tell you uh, one more story. You know, I talked about how something changed in my life when it came to math and when it came to soccer. I heard a, a story about a pastor named Billy Hornsby in the East Coast, kind of grew up in that area. Um, when he was in the eighth grade, this, kid, this guy was brilliant. Was like, he was just a brilliant man. And in the eighth grade, um, his teacher, math teacher, Quinson is right, my math teacher, his math teacher called on him. If you're a math teacher, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to diss on you, right? You keep teaching math. We need you. Push through. Help those understand so they don't do what I did. Anyways, <laughs> his math teacher, eighth grade math teacher, he, she said, all right, Billy, come and solve this, this problem on the board. So come and solve it. So as he's walking to the board, he's figuring out the problem is, hey, he's brilliant. Before he even gets there, he knew the answer, so he gets up there and just writes the answer and goes back and sits down. His teacher says, no, Billy, that's wrong. He says, no, no, that's the right answer. She says, no, the answer's right, but you didn't show your work. You know, don't you hate that sometimes? You're like, you've got to prove this. <laughs> so you didn't, you didn't prove your work, so um, you need to prove your work. And he says, but I'm right. It's the right answer. Why does it matter? And, you know, he's a little older, so society at that time, she, she took it as a, as a disrespectful comment. And she got really angry and upset. She says, you know what, Billy? You'll never amount to anything. And something was written on his heart. Never amount to anything. Shortly after, he dropped out of school. Um, eventually, at age 17, he, he got a girl pregnant, got married by, at 18. Um, and out of just the need to, to support his family, he, he, he went to Exxon to try to apply for a job. And in, in the application process, they give him this, this um, exam and he takes his exam, and, and during the exam, you know, he finishes, and he's kind of upset. He says, man, I just, I, I didn't do well. So he stomps out of the office and gives them the paper and says, you know what? Don't even call me. I know I didn't do good. And he leaves. Well, the next day, he gets a phone call from, from the, the Exxon people, and they say, hey, Billy, would you come in and talk to us? And he's upset. He's like, no, I know I didn't do good, so, man, just leave me alone. I, it's fine. You don't have to show me, prove me that I'm not going to amount to anything. And they said, no, no, just, just would you please just come in and talk to us? He needed a job, so he says, all right, well, maybe this will open up something. I'll wash the floor or something. So he goes in, and uh, uh, the Exxon manager says, um, so why do, you, why do you think you didn't do well? He says, I just I knew I didn't do good. He says, Billy, nobody has ever scored as high as you ever. He says, you know, Billy, if, if you really applied yourself, you're going to really amount to something someday. And the words of that Exxon manager switched the curse in his life that said, you'll never amount to anything, to, man, if you, apply, if you, really, um, if you really work at it and put your mind to it, you're going to amount to something one day. And that curse was switched in his heart and his life. And something changed that day. He went on to plant churches in, in, in the United States and in Europe. And he helped, become, he helped establish this, this organization called the Ark. We planted a church. We're an Ark church. Um, the Ark has planted 500 churches in the last, uh, like, 15 years. Um, we're on track to plant 2,000 by the year 2020. He was a part of this, this brilliant man. Something was written on his heart that said, you'll never amount. And because somebody of influence spoke and said, you know what? Man, you're really going to amount to something. He switched that and changed that. 
We have the ability every single day to speak life to other people, to be an influence. Or we have the ability to speak death to others. God invites us and says, would you speak life? Would you be a positive influence? Would you be a light? Would you be salt to our world because we need it? So for us as Christians, our job is to shine bright and to love others and to love God and to help others know that God loves them and cares for them and to help others know that God has a good plan for their lives, for your lives. So what name is written on your heart? Have you had people influence you and maybe said something to you that has put something in your life that says you'll never amount to anything, you'll never whatever? And I encourage you, I would say, I mean, challenge you to say, God wants to change that. It's awesome. If you, if you read the stories of the Bible, over and over, God will take somebody's name and says, you know what, I'm going to give you a new name. And he takes the old name, whatever it symbolized and meant, gives them something new that symbolizes something even greater. I think God wants to change your, if you have that, if that issue right now, God wants to change that, those things in your heart. He wants to change that name, maybe your name. If you allow him, if you let him. There's a few ways that he does it. One is the word, by reading God's word. Um, we believe that Jesus is, this is what, what, what Jesus looked like. You know, if, if you look at the word, you want to see it in the human flesh, is Jesus, the word. That's the one of the ways he influences us and helps us. The other way is his spirit. His Holy Spirit is there to comfort, to, to convict, and to help us and to show us his truth. And then he uses people, godly people, his, his children who want to help others find and experience, experience God and his love. So he uses different ways to influence us. I would encourage you, first, man, let God be the number one influence in your life. Begin to get into this and read and let God speak to you through it and teach you. The other one is, is find people who can speak in your life. And then finally, let God's Spirit just, just work in your heart and your life. You know, part of your job when you come to church is, is to let, let the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, begin to point things in your life and allow Him to do this. Um, you know, if, if something I say bothers you, man, wrestle with that. Let, let, talk to God about that. And if something I say bothers you today, please don't leave angry at me and without maybe even giving me a chance to really ask me if, if I said it what you, the, way you, the way you thought I said it. Man, I love to dialogue with anybody that's here. My heart is to help. My heart is to talk. My heart is to, to be able to communicate well. So uh, please don't ever leave. If there's something that's said uh, that you need clarity, uh, clarification on, uh, you want to talk about something, I would, I would love to dialogue more. My heart is to help people. Our heart as a church is to reach people that are lost because one day every single one of us will stand before God and we'll give an account for our choices and our actions and our life. I want everybody that I've had influence to be able to say, you know what, man, I've, I chose God. I chose his way. So here's our challenge, all right? When it comes to this week, when it comes to adding influence and being a positive influence, when it comes to adding life and adding something to others, um, be, be a positive influence to those around you and seek others who can sharpen you. Man, look around and evaluate. Who, who is influencing my life? Are they positive? Are they encouraging you to do things that God is saying don't do? Man, don't let them be an influence. Are they are they people that are saying, "Hey, man, you can do better than that." I believe in you. God has a good plan for your life, and then invite those people to lead and help you with that. All right. So um, today, I'm gonna I'm gonna close the service off. Every week, we give an opportunity. For people have come into this place, and you know what? I need something from God. I need help. And the Bible says, and we, we just read it. He says, "Those that call upon the name of the Lord." And they'll be saved. Those who call out to God, they will be saved. One day, every single one of us will stand before God and give an account. 
I want you to be able to have confidence and assurance and a hope that says, after this life is done, and I'll be able to stand before God and say, God, and I, I, I received your son's sacrifice for my life. So if you're here today, do me, would everybody close your eyes and would you bow your head? I would love to lead you in a prayer. A simple prayer that just says, God, I invite you to my life. I turn away from those things. You know, Paul said such things you were. This idea that we turn away from things that are against God's best for us. And we follow him. If you're here today and you're looking for answers, you're, 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 you're wanting to say, I want to stand before God and know that I have a place in his kingdom. Would you raise your hand? I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Awesome. For you to raise your hand, would you, would you join me in this prayer? It's an invitation saying, God, I want a relationship with you. I want you to influence my life. All right, pray this with me. Say, Father God, today I ask you to lead me. Be my God. Help me to follow you. Help me to know you. I believe you died on that cross for me. Today I receive your sacrifice. And I turn my life over to you. I trust you. I need your help. I'm going to leave my past and walk into the future with you. Would you come and influence my life? Holy Spirit, I invite you to help me on this journey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.